Let Him Go Barefoot is a podcast that dives into all things parenting and education through the lens of mindful awareness. Conversations aim to bring forward patterns, beliefs, and attitudes that shape our expectations and ideas about what it means to raise healthy children. With the blend of science, ancient wisdom, and intuition, we will explore ways to support, nurture, and connect with our growing children while also nurturing and expanding ourselves. I am grateful you are here. When did you know? This is the question I posed on my Instagram page and invited people to share their stories about when they knew the traditional schooling model was not right for their family. In this second episode, you will hear a compilation of stories from five mothers across the United States and Canada. In some cases, you will hear directly from them. In others, I will read what they wish to share. If you have ever questioned the traditional schooling model, are on the fence about trying homeschooling, or simply need a few reminders about why you chose this path, I think you will find this episode to be just what you need. So my name is Nicolette, and I am a mom to three kiddos. I have two boys. One is six and a half, one is four and a half, and then I have a new little girl named Monet, and she is one. And we are a very young homeschooling family. And as far as the trajectory that we've gone on to get us here, um, I really have to back up because I think when I was growing up, I was brought up in a household where we were encouraged to question the status quo whether it was social issues, politics, we always were taught to question things. So I have to give my mom and dad a high five for that. (laughs) Um, And the journey for me really started with food, interestingly enough. So I grew up on a farm and I started to question the, you know, the food that we eat, what's actually healthy, how things are labeled. So that was really what, how I took that question of the status quo and really applied it to my life for the first time was through my journey with health and food. And then when I became pregnant with my oldest son, um, I just started feeling things inside of my heart. And, you know, I didn't like the idea of putting him in daycare or um, letting him be with a nanny. You know, there were just things like, I want to be with him. And so I started to look into what the status quo is in terms of childcare and um, sleep arrangements, you know, whether close sleeping, why do babies sleep in cribs, you know, all these things that I started to ask, okay, well, this is what is normal in society, but for some reason, why doesn't it feel right? And so I started really researching that. And when my eldest was a little bit older, you know, we were at the age where people were asking, are you sending him to preschool? Is he in preschool yet? And because I went to college and studied education, I felt confident enough to look into homeschooling. And of course, when I did my initial research, it was revealed to me that you do not have to have a background in education at all to be a successful homeschooler. Um, And as I began researching it, just something inside my heart stirred, and I knew that this was what I needed to do. And for me, the choice was pretty simple because I, at the end of the day, I want to have 
time with my children and I want to have these amazing relationships that are built in the time that you have with them and the things that you explore together. And because of my background in education, I had been in classrooms and I saw the struggles that unfold in classrooms and I didn't want to limit my children by putting them in one. And so I want my children to be of the world. So it was really, um, you know, just having this, this, uh, this outlook on life to always question things and to not just inherit whatever opinion or whatever rules or whatever norms are put out there by society. That's what really got me um, to this position. And then when I became a mom, it just felt unnatural to put my child out into the world to be with somebody else for hours of a day for months of the year. It just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right for Nicolette. It didn't feel right for Holly either. Holly writes, Our journey towards alternative education happened when my youngest was in kindergarten. From the beginning, it just didn't feel right. The school rules, the bullying I saw happening, and most importantly, my once happy and loving child was losing the light in his eyes every day I picked him up. He was sad, angry, and losing his normally very joyful self. I knew I needed to change something. Luckily, at the time, I owned a children's store and many of my customers were homeschoolers, so I knew a little about the idea and I began researching it more. Immediately, I knew that homeschooling was not the right path for us. I didn't want to recreate the school day and just bring it into my home. What I envisioned was much more fun and child-led. It is then that I discovered unschooling. I fell in love with the concept immediately. My own schooling journey wasn't a good one, with bullying and a lack of interest in many subjects. When I looked back at the teachers and subjects I loved, it was those who were given more freedom. The teacher that didn't make us attend class, but opted instead to give us modules we could complete at our own pace. The teacher who brought a dead animal he had found on the side of the road into class that morning so we could dissect it. The teacher who focused on our mental health and bringing us together in love by creating books for each of us with letters written by each classmate. The truth is, I discovered that I only learned what I was passionate about learning. That is the only thing that really stuck. The rest was learned for a test and then lost within 24 hours. I realized that I wanted my children to be internally motivated, engaged, and have the knowledge that learning can be fun and that in actuality, we are learning 24-7. So I plan to take my son out of school on Christmas break. Then the Sandy Hook school shootings happened, and I tried to take him for a few days, and I physically could not get out of the car to bring him into the school. So we began then and there, and I've never looked back. On this journey, I have become more confident, realized how much of our society and ourselves are being run by all the collective unhealed parts of ourselves. I discovered I could heal myself from an incurable illness all because of this journey we have taken. We started the journey when I was married, and now that I am a newly divorced mother of two, I am still on the journey. It's taken a few pivots. I've had to be creative with working opportunities, but I wouldn't change it for the world. I am raising strong, empathetic, independent leaders, which I truly believe is what the planet needs right now more than ever. We have too many people living from a space of fear, shame, and attachment. I want to create a world that runs from a space of love and expansion instead of fear and retraction. 
Now that my oldest is 14 and my youngest is 11, we've been doing it a long time. I see what and how they learn and I get to be a part of that journey. I wouldn't change it for the world. The next story I'm going to read is from Erin, who lives with her family in Ontario, Canada. She writes, We've home educated four children, three of whom are now young adults and only two of whom still live with us. We're entering our 19th year of home ed, which just seems wild to me. It really doesn't feel that long ago that I was nervously trying a day at the creek to watch the salmon swim upstream with the homeschool group. I remember being one of the young families those first couple of years and just observing and listening to the older families with interest. And now here we are with only our 16-year-old daughter technically school age. I consider our style and philosophy of education to be whole life learning, which is really another term for radical unschooling that just fits a bit better for us. We've been very self-directed from the start, although that has included dipping into curriculum with the youngest three about seven years ago and then back out again. I'm deeply interested in families having choices in the way they live and learn, and these last couple of years, as my children have gotten older, I've felt a real nudge to share and write about learning and family connection. I've had some opportunity to mentor and encourage families locally, and I'm really enjoying that. Here are some thoughts about how I knew and ended up choosing this homeschooling path. I think I had several moments that caused me to examine how things are done within systems in general. Thinking about education choices was sort of incremental, much of it likely taking root when I was a child. I can remember my first school assembly when I was in kindergarten. I went to a rural school, and it certainly wasn't large, but to my five-year-old eyes, the idea of the classes from all the schools filing into the gym at the same time seemed overwhelming, yet also kind of exciting. The classes each sat in their row, and the teacher sat at the end of the line. I remember asking my mom that evening why the kids all had to sit on the floor and the teachers had chairs. She responded that the gym floor was dirty, and so the teachers couldn't sit there. They needed to be on the chairs. I remember wondering why it was okay for the kids to sit on the dirty floor. I wasn't upset about it. I just noticed and wondered. Now, as an adult, I can see that some of our teachers were older, and getting up and down off the floor might have not been the easiest. That many years ago, teachers also dressed up more and tended to have skirts or suits on. Also, having some elevation allowed them to supervise the line more easily than they could sitting down, and obviously that was a necessary part of their job. The situation is understandable. I wasn't shouting out in protest, but it's the first example I remember of noticing and wondering about the details of systems. I've realized as an adult how many things I wondered about and was affected by in school. I didn't frame them that way at the time because we don't tend to do that. We often move through the set of circumstances at hand and reflect later when it feels behind us, and in some cases, safe. I also had no idea there were other options. School is what you did. You went, everybody went, had gone, or is going to go. So although I observed a lot of practices in school that I questioned, I never questioned that kids had to go. I noticed and was affected by the way kids were teased or targeted, often by the entire school essentially. In our country school, there were a few kids that became just sort of accepted targets for everyone in the school. One girl was labeled as having fleas, which obviously was untrue, and it became a common phrase within the school, not just her class, the school. Not to get too close or you catch her fleas. Her name was connected with contamination, and it wasn't that anyone literally thought she had fleas. That was just a catchphrase to exclude her. There was a boy targeted similarly, and although they were the most extreme examples, there were others teased and bullied as well. They were literally ostracized everywhere. Classroom, 
playground bus. So for me, I hear about the effects of being bullied for kids, and I know it can be massive, absolutely massive. But I now realize that witnessing that for years and recognizing that to some degree, I was a bystander and sometimes even a participant in laughing along carries pain also. There is damage in that and having witnessed what is essentially abuse over and over again for years. It wasn't just that school. It was also the case at the school I went to for French immersion when I was 11 to 13. It was also the case at my high school and in high schools. It just becomes absolutely magnified. I think it essentially becomes normalized so that we don't even realize how damaging these top-down systems are until we're long out of it. People say things like, that's just life, or I survived it, but my bar for my kids was higher than that. I could see bits of how damaging it had been as soon as I was out of the system, but it wasn't until I really dove into the possibility of home education that I fully realized the bizarre structure I'd been surrounded by, that most of us have been surrounded by for 13 years. In our province, kids have two years of full-day kindergarten now, so they have 14 years of school. In many ways, school was not technically difficult for me. I did fine with academics, sports, and other activities. I got along with kids and teachers. I had a lot of friends. My learning style mostly suited the way information was delivered. However, it was always a getting through, whether I realized it or not. As an introvert, I developed a persona to make my way through the day. I can remember a moment, I feel I was around eight, when almost all the other kids had gotten off the bus at the end of a mid-fall afternoon. I remember relaxing into my seat and pressing my head against the window, watching the colored leaves flash by, and just enjoying the quiet of the school day being over. There was a sense of being able to be myself again. I know that some kids and families and kids describe school in really positive ways, and I think it's important to have the choice. Certainly, there are wonderful teachers out there. For us, it just really didn't feel like the best path. So when I found out that homeschooling was a legal and practical possibility, it was a very easy buy-in for me. So exciting. I was out for a walk with my oldest when he was a baby. I was walking with another mom I'd met, and we were both pushing our strollers along the sidewalk, and she told me she was planning to homeschool. Homeschool? I'd heard the word by then, but didn't realize it could actually be plausible. Then she told me she'd homeschooled, and that really piqued my interest. She was excited to share, and honestly, I was excited from that point on. Over the next few months, I kept running into people who homeschooled or unschooled, and it was hard to imagine I hadn't known about it sooner. It became clear as my oldest child approached junior kindergarten that it was a good thing I'd heard about unschooling and homeschooling already, because it was likely going to be a much better fit than school. Very self-directed in his learning and incredibly curious, I realized that both his own pursuits and our time together were so valuable. It was not difficult for me to see the learning in all he was doing, some of it just far beyond what they'd be focusing on in kindergarten, and then to also see the areas that the school would have standard expectations around that he wasn't developmentally ready for yet. I realized, and I think this is key, The paradox between my respect and strong sense of protection of who my son was on the one hand and my natural inclination against conflict and ruffling feathers at the school on the other were going to be an exhausting combination. I knew he wasn't going to fit inside the box. How would I advocate for him without engaging in conflict with the school? Or conversely, how could I have a smooth relationship with the school and still stand with him in areas that weren't going well? Could I have navigated it? Yes, but it wasn't where I wanted to put my energy. 
I could see from our first day adventuring with the homeschool group watching the salmon swim upstream that there was a path that suited us better. Home education has shaped not only the way I look at learning, but so many other aspects of life immeasurably. Truly immeasurably. It seems as if every day there's a new thought or consideration that pops up for me. It has opened my mind. Home educating families are a diverse bunch, and I feel blessed to have encountered so many people and kinds of people in real physical life and online. I almost always consider other points of view when looking at a situation. I no longer feel threatened by other perspectives. I certainly am anchored in my own principles, but I enjoy imagining things from different frameworks. Another thought that comes to mind is my own learning. I love to learn in a way that I might not have realized before. I read and listen and love to explore new outdoor places, and I'm fascinated by so many things. Once I began to see what learning could look like, I just felt really excited, not just for children, but for myself and people of all ages. The most exciting thing for me right now is realizing that these connections with my children haven't ended because they turned 18 or 20 or any particular age. I had this idea that my job would sort of be done once they reached 18, and I felt some relief about that and also sadness, but we may be more connected now than ever, sharing ideas, experiences, texting jokes or fun pieces of information back and forth, encouraging one another and celebrating things together. To conclude, I think I'm also refining my way of being with my family members, really considering and thinking about my interactions ahead of time and imagining how things feel from their perspective more than I even did in the earlier years. I feel committed to being in a respectful adult relationship with each of them, whatever that may mean and how far away they might live, and continuing to build family culture as we all age. I guess the work isn't over and neither is the fun. I'd like to encourage people that the relationships and family culture that you're building in the earlier years can be sustainable. My own purposes aren't the reason I chose this lifestyle, but it's turning out to be an enormous blessing to me as well. Now let's travel over 2,000 miles away to Las Vegas, Nevada, to hear from a mom who shares how the homeschooling seed was planted while she was teaching in public school years before becoming a mom. Hi, I'm Nicole, and I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada, and... I live with my husband and my two boys here. I have a son that's uh, 11 years old, that's Nate, and then Austin, who is six. And our homeschooling story starts way back before um, I even had my first son. And so I was a public school teacher um, in Las Vegas at the time. I Somewhere around my first year of teaching, I don't remember the specific timing, but I was starting to think about homeschooling. I think I read a book or maybe even saw something on TV. I really can't remember exactly what it was, but started this thought in my head about homeschooling. But at the same time, teaching public school and seeing just how a classroom runs and being in school in that way and noticing, you know, how big the class sizes were. I had 32 kids teaching fourth grade and how hard it was just to get around and give all the kids what they needed, but then also the big push for teaching to the test constantly, I started really kind of questioning. So I think those two things sort of happening at a similar time kind of led me on this track. So I was thinking about homeschooling long before we were really even planning a family. Um, And it just kind of simmered along, I guess, for a few years 
And then once I had my son and knowing that I wanted to be able to stay at home with him, it seemed like homeschooling was the natural thing because we had already talked about it. My husband was on board. I guess I gave him, you know, enough time to kind of get used to the idea of it. Um, So I feel like I've been very lucky in that aspect. And I don't recall if there was ever any resistance on his part. And maybe he just kind of humored me in the beginning because it was so far off from even having to make any sort of decision like that. I don't really recall there ever being, you know, an issue or whatever. Um, So it was just kind of this like slow burn, you know, over the years that I was reading about it, you know, learning about it. People, I must have like talked about it enough that other people knew that I had looked into homeschooling and were asking me for advice, but I didn't even have kids yet, you know, so it was kind of a funny situation. But then once I had my son and around the time that he was three years old, I started looking into homeschool groups and reading about homeschooling myself. I I didn't know what I wanted, like how I wanted to homeschool. Um, So I just read really widely coming from being a teacher and feeling like, you know, I feel like I'm a very type A person where you like things to be structured and have lists and, you know, all of that. I thought that's probably how we were going to homeschool. But once it came down to it, that kind of ended up shifting. But at that point, I was just kind of doing my research and starting to talk to people and and meet people. But nothing really happened at that point. But then when my son was four, so he was he would have started kindergarten a little later than most kids because he has a winter birthday. And so when he was four, he was still technically preschool age. I guess at that point, I just decided we were ready to start. I don't even remember why. I just felt like he was as at an age where we wanted to get involved in some things and meet some people and be doing group things and whatever. And so we officially or unofficially started homeschooling when he was still four, turning five in December. And So we didn't even really have to make a choice about school yet at that point. And once he was of school age, we were already homeschooling for an entire year. And so there was really never any question, I guess, about whether or not we would put him in school. I remember having some thoughts that because I had taught kindergarten for a year at one point, I had also substituted in kindergarten classrooms and knowing how big those classes could be. And knowing his personality and just how he worked, I, I couldn't see him being very successful in a classroom with so many distractions. And so I always felt strongly that that wasn't the best place for him, especially at that point. And so I don't think I ever really, really ever entertained the idea of putting him in school. I had a lot of reasons why not to, but I never actually thought or ever felt pressure that I should put him in school. I think we had just kind of sort of decided along the way that this is what we were going to do. So there was never hard, any hard, like, we have to make a decision right now about, you know, enrolling him or not. It just kind of all flowed into starting to homeschool. So I asked Nicole if her background in teaching somehow played into her decision to homeschool her kids. And by that, I mean, did she feel more qualified to homeschool her children because of her teaching background? I don't think I ever felt more equipped because I had taught, um, because teaching one child is so very different from teaching 25 to 32 kids, you know, depending on what grade or class size. It just felt different to me. I, I felt like the year I taught kindergarten, you know, maybe just 
gave me some exposure to those early reading kind of activities and whatever, but I never, I don't think that not being um, a certified teacher would have ever been a barrier for me to decide to homeschool. At the end of our conversation, Nicole's introspection about worrying and centering oneself and our values is worth highlighting. Here is what she said. I feel like most of my questioning is more just me listening too much to other people's fears and not listening, like not coming back to like what our purpose for homeschooling is. Like that usually centers me again when I get off track that way. Next, you will hear from Heeson, who lives with her family in Colorado. Heeson's journey away from the traditional school model came after years of interventions and therapies the professional community told her she needed for her first child, who was born extremely prematurely. As a new mom, she was doing what she thought was best, which was to follow the advice of the experts. Here is her story. So... My children now are 15 and almost 18. So say 15 and a half and 18. We started homeschooling. The idea of homeschooling sort of popped into our heads, my husband's and mine, as a result of some challenges we were facing in the school system. So my son um, was kind of the catalyst for considering homeschooling. And the reason for that is because he he was born extremely premature and was diagnosed with CP and developmental delays and all of these other medical issues at a very, very young age. And so being my first child, um, I had no idea like what I was doing. And the recommendations from the medical community was that, oh, he needs to be in early intervention. We need to get him, you know, just involved in all these structured programs. And so we did that. We jumped right in. You know, we had therapies at home. We had, um, he was involved in structured, quote, unquote, educational settings. Um, and, and that started at about 18 months and went all the way through um, him turning seven. So he went to a special preschool, then he went to a special day class kindergarten. Um, so with IEPs and all of that in place. And we got to a point where he was being mainstreamed into the general ed classroom. So this is about when he was in kindergarten, um, getting ready to transition into first grade. And I was sitting in an IEP meeting with about, gosh, six or seven other professionals from the the school community. So we had the PT, the OT, the speech therapist, we had the vice principal, we had the school psychologist, we had, you know, outside OT consult. We had just had all these professionals sitting in that room. And, you know, I'm sitting at this, you know, so I'm sitting at this table and every single person, while they had good intentions, Every single person came from the perspective of a deficit model. This is what he's not doing. And because he's not doing this, we need to put all of these, all of these extra demands and structures and expectations on him to get him to, to the level of where we think he needs to be. And I remember the principal was also in the room, and I remember her saying, 
her comment was, you know, um, when you look at this child on paper, you, it, you get a very different impression than the child that you have in front, that we have in front of us. So on paper, all about where he's lacking and where he needs all these supports. And then you meet him and he's just this, he's just a kid. He's a kid who has challenges, yes, but he's just a kid. And but even though she had the awareness to recognize that, within the next moment, she was saying, well, I don't think we'll be able to accommodate him in a general ed setting because he's going to need too much support. So that gave me pause because what we were envisioning and what seemed to be presented to me was that, well, because he needs all these extra supports in terms of he would need nursing support, you know, because he has, he's has some medical challenges. He has a feeding tube, so he has some medical challenges and, and he would also need physical support because of the physical challenges. And so they were going to have to put all these different people in place for him if he need, if he were to be in a general ed classroom. So the suggestion was, well, we're going to, we would like to put him in a special ed classroom and then with occasionally be able to, you know, have him step into that general ed setting. Well, that was not the optimal place for him because even though maybe he couldn't, he might not be able to keep up cognitively in this, in terms of speed and execution, he was still ready to be in that general ed setting. He was ready for that kind of interaction. But instead, there was kind of a push to put him in a setting where it it was going to be pretty much babysitting, <laughs> childcare. <laughs> right? And so after that meeting, and this happened in the spring, um, you know, I went home to my husband and I talked to him and I was like, this, this isn't going to work for him. He's going to He's, it's, it's not to put him in that kind of setting. It's kind of just to leave him and there, there's going to be no growth. There's going to be no challenge. There's going to be, he's, his light is just going to dim. There's going to be nothing for him. And my husband and I went back and forth a little bit because, oh, well, what about all the different interventions that he needs? What about the therapies? What about, you know, all this stuff? And, it, and, and we have a younger daughter who had not started school yet. So she wasn't, she was about to go into kindergarten. And so after, you know, just back and forth, back and forth, like, you know, we need to, we need to try something different. He needs, he needs to be in an environment where, first of all, he can just be himself, where he's not constantly having to live up to or meet someone else's expectations of what he should be doing. Rather, he can just be and have time. See, my son had never had really any time to just explore his world because he was always in therapies. We were always going to appointments. There were always hospital visits. And so when he was little, you know, from the age, from the moment he came home until we pulled him out to homeschool, it was a constant, constant, constant push, 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 because the belief is that's the only way for him to reach his potential is if we keep pushing and pushing and pushing based on what we adults, specialists, experts think is best for him. And I was all on board with that because I came from that background. Now, I, I, I studied developmental psych in college. I was 
in a graduate program for education when my when my son came along. I was all on board with yes, experts know best, and as long as we follow the experts, you know, we're going to get this great outcome. But I was seeing what it was doing to my son, and I was seeing how he was withering in that environment. And then, and then I had this neurotypical daughter coming up right behind him, and I could see in her development where she had been given that freedom. There were there weren't these um, there there were no, no expectations being imposed upon her, right? In terms of what she needed to be doing by the age of three. You know, or that she needs to be reading by the age of five or whatever. For she, she was just kind of like, okay, if you're interested in it, go ahead and do it. If you're, you want to do this, all right, go ahead and do that. It was kind of a, it was the complete opposite of the way that Max, my son Max, experienced his childhood, his younger years. But I could see that she was thriving, and then it, it sort of was a very slow awakening of what if, why, why wouldn't that same environment, that same lifestyle, that same, I don't want to call it a method because it's not a method, um, but why wouldn't those, why wouldn't that same freedom work for him? Why wouldn't that work for my son? You know, yes, he's got challenges. Yes, he, he's, he, he may not be neuro, neurotypical, but that doesn't mean that his development can't benefit from that same type of freedom. So, so when we stepped away, it was, it was hard because we had to shift the way we thought about learning and about what was, um, what it, what it looks like and how it's experienced, and also prepare ourselves for the criticism. We were going to receive, especially because we had a child with a disability. You're pulling them out of public education. You're pulling them out of school. But what's going to happen? You can't possibly homeschool a child with special needs. It doesn't work. And so there were a lot of these false beliefs that we kind of had to tackle. Um, to some extent, we did hold those same beliefs for a while because. That's what we were conditioned to think. So this journey of unschooling was more about us, the parents, and shifting our thinking than it was about our children, right? Because once we shifted, then it just became sort of this natural extension. Our lifestyle became a natural extension of that. So that, you know, we're unschoolers because we check this box and we check this box and we check this box. But it was... Hey, we just live our lives. As Heeson mentioned earlier, unschooling shifted her as a parent. Part of that shift was to stop seeing her children as kids to be taught, but as people to develop a relationship with. But when I shifted away from that towards, you know, I really, I just want to know my kids, then that provides so much more freedom. And, and it really, when that becomes the focus all the other stuff kind of just happens. And in the process, and they've gotten to know us too, right? Because they say, we're not parents in title only. We're, we're, we're also, we're guides and we're, we come alongside them. We're partners. We're partners on this journey. And um, 
and so and, and and we're learning right alongside them. So it's a very fluid and dynamic environment. I absolutely agree. We do live in a dynamic and fluid environment with our children. Keeping this in the forefront as we interact with one another is freeing too. I have found that living with curiosity helps me to stay open as a parent, to move away from living within restrictive roles to embracing the beauty of expanding myself by learning alongside of my children. Whether we like it or not, life is constantly moving. So why not stay open to the flow it generously brings? Before we wrap up, I'm going to turn things back over to Nicolette, who started off the episode. You will hear more of her story, including additional reasons she was led to homeschool and about the time a large group of homeschooled children playing made a lasting impression on her. Here's Nicolette. Um, you know, for me, and I've been learning this along, again, I'm not, I'm not a veteran homeschooler by any means, but it's really about the relationship. And that's something that I value above everything else. So for me, it's about the relationship first and, you know, following their spark and trying to support them in that. So I've had to unlearn a lot of things that I learned in my education classes. Well, what are you going to do about the socialization of your kids? And I look at society and we're not grouped by age and expected to sit and obey. And certainly I don't want that for my kids. Um, society is mixed. You know, you're going to go see someone at the bank who's maybe 20, and then you're going to go see an elderly person at the bakery or, you know, and to have your children be able to engage and have conversations with these people from all walks of life and from all different age brackets. I mean, that is what it's about. I want I want the kids, I want my children to um, feel comfortable in the world. And the best way that I know how to do that is to have them be in the world, not behind a desk in a classroom. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense when you really look at it. You know, we're, as- we're asking kids in traditional school settings to do more at a younger age and asking them to perform in these ways. Like you said, well, if you just gave it a little bit more time, they'll get there, but they're maybe working on other things to develop right now. And again, that one size fits all can leave some people behind and make them feel bad. And this is a real important age, especially when you're starting school, this foundation is being laid and you don't want to miss opportunities there to develop confidence and to create that lifelong learner because the kids are learning how to learn when they're younger and you don't want to miss that opportunity. Just to briefly touch on something that they're finding more and more information on every day is that just not being outside, not being in nature. Like that's, there's a reason why kids are seeing less and less out outside time and they're seeing, you know, more mental health concerns in our society. We're putting a lot of pressure on them to perform. Um, you know, oh, you have to read by the time you're, you know, in kindergarten. Well, no, you actually don't. And actually research would show that um, that's completely unnecessary, but we're pushing that on kids and then they're feeling inadequate or just not being able to be outside. Um, kids need that. There's a reason why um, childhood is called childhood. Like we need to protect that and let children be children. And so that's another reason why 
we have chosen to homeschool. And something that I feel really strongly about is that I want my kids to have a true childhood. I did want to share a story that I think is pretty was pretty important for me too. Because I think it's it's really it's really special if you can have an experience with homeschooling if you're on the fence or if maybe even if it's not something that you're considering. But I remember homeschooling being on my heart. And I remember taking my son to a park and it was during the it was during the week during the day. And we were sitting on this hill that sort of looks down into this very open playing field. And there were all these kids down there running around playing capture the flag. And just by instinct, I'm looking around for the teachers because it I don't know, it's like a Wednesday, right? And I I'm not seeing any teachers and the older kids are kind of corralling the younger kids and they're figuring things out. They're coming together. They're they're problem solving on their own. There is no teacher. There is no authority figure, so to speak, to manage this for them in any way. And then I start to notice that these are kids of all different ages. I'm talking four to probably 14. And there was a group of probably, I don't know, 15, 16 kids and they're running around. And I look off to the side and there's a group of moms with, you know, the really young ones underfoot or that they're carrying. And so I gathered the confidence to walk over to them and approach them. And I was like, are you guys homeschoolers? And they kind of stopped and they weren't sure like if they should respond, you know. And once they realized that I had my own child, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, we are. And so it was just so neat to see these kids being kids. And it wasn't putting them into special groups based on age segregation or something. They were doing it and they were having this wonderful time and they were handling it themselves. There was no boss. There was no teacher. There was no sort of authoritative figure. They were doing it themselves. And it was just really cool to see. And it felt, I don't know, it filled my heart in this way that just pushed me even further in that direction to have this tangible experience with homeschooling that I saw. I hope you enjoyed listening to each person's story. As you can see, deciding to forgo the traditional schooling model is a choice that is not made in haste. Instead, the idea tends to marinate over time and is usually made after much thought and research. I believe deeply in the power of storytelling and love how stories allow us to see possibilities where we may not have realized they existed before. In the book, Becoming Supernatural by Joe Dispenza, he says, I've found that stories serve a great purpose to reinforce information in a practical manner. Hearing about someone else's experience makes it more real for us. Did these brief stories from five different families make the choice to homeschool more real for you? Or did they reinforce what you already felt was right for your family? Either way, thank you for listening. As always, stay curious, stay connected, and stay aware. Until next time.